Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Hello and welcome to the Living Free Show. Today we've got Lena on the phone all the way from uh, from Western Australia in Bunbury to talk about a really exciting initiative called Doors Wide Open. Lena, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so it's it's kind of early for you because of the time gap, hey? Yes, a little bit, but it's okay. Yep. Okay, so can you tell me all about Doors Wide Open? What are you guys doing? Sure. Um, basically, it, we've got a um, little team of people together um, that support the families and friends of people who are addicted to methamphetamines. So although we um, do deal a lot with the people who are actually addicted, our main focus is on supporting the family and friends around them. Um, this just is a little get... bit why I was so keen to get you um, on the show because we have a, um, we have we have two cohorts on the show. We we quite often have methamphetamine users who are getting clean, yes. and we quite often have the families of alcoholics yes um and i've been going well where's the, where's the support for the for the families of people who are on methamphetamines because that's really difficult absolutely so, so what made you start um well going back um three and a half years ago my my son started um taking methamphetamines mm-hmm. um and i guess for me in that three and a half years it was all shame and um, very distraught about how I was feeling and nowhere to go with those feelings, no one to share them with. Um, and then in February he got really sick and went to hospital. Yep. And then when he came out of hospital, um, I couldn't find any support for myself or for him very, very quickly, which we needed it quickly. Um, and so that's when I started up a Facebook page called Ice in Bunbury, A Mother's Nightmare. Mm-hmm. And within a about a week and a half, I had a thousand followers, and they were mostly people from Bunbury and surrounding areas who were having the same problem. Wow! So you guys were feeling really isolated, but then the oh, minute absolutely. you stuck a hand up, everyone said, "Me too." Yeah, absolutely. And this is a small country town phenomenon, isn't it? Because we're, what we usually find with almost any other drug, apart from alcohol, is you get a real concentration in the city centre because mm. you know, um, in order to you know, in order to access your your black market. Um, you often need a, you know, the right number, the right concentration of people and people who can who can be your dealer and and etc. Whereas ice seems to be be sort of the opposite. We've got a huge concentration of ice use in small country towns like yours. Absolutely, and I guess with Bunbury, Bunbury's the city <laughs> surrounding, so we're two hours south from Perth, mm-hmm. um, where the next biggest concentration of population after that. But we have. Hundreds of little towns around us and all of the the little tiny towns are suffering as well and I think that's probably um, one of the things that's come to my, um, like one of the things that's really struck me is the fact that there are so many country towns just absolutely drowning in methamphetamines. How, How much is meth by? Um, look, I don't know, to be honest with you, but I know when my son was asking me for money, he'd always ask me for $50, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so not, not terribly expensive. No. So, so you guys have... Um, you, you guys spiralled out from there, hey? 
from, from starting a Facebook page and going, I'm struggling, and a whole mm. bunch of other people putting their hands up, what was that like for you? Um, a little bit daunting to start with because I don't, I don't have any sort of clinical background um, and I was getting asked for advice and all of that sort of thing. And I guess that's where Doors Wide Open began. I did a very, very small what I thought was going to be a very small gathering. So I just invited people from the Facebook page to meet me at a place in Bunbury down here, which is really beautiful, um, and just have a chat about what we need in Bunbury. And I ended up with 80 people at that first gathering. Um, and that's when, I guess, Doors Wide Open was born from that. I met Julie Kent at that um, gathering, and we decided that Bunbury needs some help so we got together and we started doing some extra gatherings and a lot of um, research into what is actually available in Bunbury um, and what's available in the way of rehab fairly local and that's what we do with parents now we sort of let them know what is available and when their loved one's ready for help they have the information ready to go. Oh, this is something we say all the time, particularly with users. We, we, we say, you know, what helped you and what, what makes a difference with you? And everybody's like, when you're ready to have somewhere to go. Yeah. And in nearly every rehab and, and detox, certainly in Victoria, you've you got a long wait. You've got months and months to wait. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. by the time you get help, the time isn't ripe anymore. That's right, exactly. And I think that's what spurred me on with my son. He came out of hospital and we needed him to know, I needed to know that he had help straight away and, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. And I was absolutely appalled by the fact that we had to wait four to six weeks for any sort of appointment. By that time, I knew he was going to be back on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you, you need a lot of support. Um, so I was just going to ask you a little bit about, um, you, you talk a lot in your, on your website about uh, dealing with shame and stigma. Mm. Um, what did that feel like? I think the stigma that surrounds it is probably the worst thing and that brings on the shame. Um, the stigma of it for me is, I would walk into the shopping centre knowing that everybody knew we're a very small country town. Um, we're not a small country town, but we're very small. We're still very community-orientated place. Um, and every, I, I knew everybody knew that Taylor was using methamphetamines and dealing methamphetamines. It's not a secret. And so you sort of walk through town with, with your head down, just making sure that you don't make eye contact with absolutely anyone. Um, I guess for me, I... I love my son regardless of what he's doing. Um, I'll support him as much as I can, but I was absolutely ashamed of his actions at that time and I didn't want to have to back him up to anybody or deal with any judgment from anyone. I was dealing with my own. There's always this sort of must, must come from a, a really terrible family. Absolutely. That tends to stick. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm and, you know, I've, I, I, the one thing that I say these days is that I have two children. They were both brought up in the same house with the same parents and the same rules. And one of them has done methamphetamines and one's never touched them. So it's not the upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. What what else do you do to, when, when you get a new parent in who's going, ah, you know, I'm not coping? Yeah. Mm. What, what is it that you do? At the moment, because we don't have a premises um, or anywhere to work from, we basically just meet them in a coffee shop or a park or wherever they feel comfortable. Um, and we just talk about how they're feeling, really. I mean, there's a different array of feelings around when your child's using any sort of drug, I suppose. And 
we let them get that off their chest and let them know that they're in a really safe place. We're not judging. We're not going to give you any, any advice. We're not going to let you know anything that you don't already know. Um, a lot of parents don't know that when their children are in a high is not the time to confront them with the fact that they've got an addiction. So that's always really useful information. So we just try and give them really useful tidbits um, that we learnt along the way. And then at the end of the conversation, we let them know what's available in Bunbury if they need any extra help. Um, what is available? What do you got? We've got a couple of GPs that we've got on side now who are very, very good at dealing with methamphetamine addiction. Um, what did we've it take got... to get GPs on site? It sort of sounds like they weren't weren't on site at the start. No, what we did was we went and invested. So we've, we've made appointments with different GPs and we've picked the ones that we know work really well with methamphetamine. So you've got some GPs who are old and don't understand the addiction and then you've got some of them that are quite young and they've done a bit of research into it and they really understand the addiction itself rather than just it being, you know, you need to get off this. Um, or, whereas the, the ones that do understand the addiction go, okay, so what are we going to do to get you well? This is some of the most um, intelligent community activism I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's just, I take my hat off to you. And every every person who who's in, in my sort of sphere that I tell about what you're doing, they're like, wow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, really, it's been really interesting. We've done a lot of research. We've certainly made a lot of appointments. We've certainly sat down with a lot of people and we've done a lot of talking. Um, and I guess that's who, the difference. Who have you spoken to, like ministers or, or yeah. addiction specialists? or? Yeah, we've spoken to. So we've got a, a local um, drug and alcohol service down here. We've had lots of appointments with them, just talking to them about the different staff and the people that are able to help. We're very, very, very concentrated on the fact that if an addict... Um, is we, we try and hone in on what their purpose in life is. Ah, purpose. Yeah. Something we so, talk about a lot on our show. Yeah. So if that person, and, and I, I guess I can give you a couple of different um, examples. We've got one girl that we're working with who absolutely wants to be able to help people. That's been her lifelong dream. Um, so that's what we've honed in on. We've gone, okay, well, let's get you started on a community services certificate. Um, once you're three months clean, we can set that up, we can get that going. So she's actually started her journey to being clean. We started the talk with the local training services. Um, she started talking to the local training services, so we're able to get that started. Um, there's you're enabling person. wellness. Wow. Yes, yep. yeah, yeah. We need you here. <laughs> what else are you doing? Um, even with, with... Julie and I sort of started right from the beginning with the fact that if that person is interested in, it doesn't matter what the interest in is, if, it, if it's God, we'll set you up with an appropriate church. If it's watching the grass grow, then we will go and buy you a patch of grass so you can watch it grow. And they're the, the, anything in between. So we're basically just, yeah, we find out what... Is this for the, the users or is this for the parents? Or either, is this for everybody? Either, either, both. We just always work around the family, what's best for them, um, a lot of families down here don't have any money, so we try and work with um, counsellors that bulk bill. We try and work with people that are free services. Um, and How much does it cost you to set this up? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, like, it literally going, with... I don't think you're rich. No, <laughs> I'm not. We're actually going, my husband and I are actually going broke because um, but he's out of work. Um, the the 
he suffered really badly with Taylor's methamphetamine addiction. He blamed himself a lot. Um, so um, he had a really, really big breakdown going back about 18 months ago. So he's been out of work for a long time. Um, yeah. So for us, when we're certainly not in any position to be um, giving money yeah. away or paying any money to anybody. So we do this all off our own backs. Yep. Um, but hopefully at some point very, very soon we'll be able to, through our, through our money um, raising, our fundraising um, initiatives, we're hopefully going to be able to get a place very, very soon. Tell us about your fundraising. Mm. So basically this is yet another do... dimension of what you're doing that I was just like, what? <laughs> Every month we do a family and friends gathering. So that very first gathering we did... Um, in March, we do one at the end of every month. So the uh, last are those Saturday, the icebreakers? Icebreakers are something completely different, but mm. we're affiliated. Yeah. Um, but this is just family and friends gathering. So what we've done is we've managed to find a church that's been donated to us on the last Saturday of every month, mm. and I invite as many family and friends and addicts who would like to come along. Um, and what it started with was just. Um, a bunch of parents coming along and then by them hearing stories so we, we ask people to speak at the gatherings mm -hmm. um, and we, so what we do is we get parents who have children well or parents who have children in the middle of their addiction and we get um, people who are very very into their journey of being well and we also have people who have just started their journey to being well um, people like NA come along as well and do a short talk on what they do. Um, we've had a couple of um, rehab people come along and talk about what they do. So it just empowers parents basically. But we we do fundraising at those events each time. Um, we've just had a really big motorbike. Um, this is a bit I like. You got the bike. You got you got some riders involved. We got some riders involved. Yeah. So how that Nauri. came about. Nagudi riders, Nagudi riders. Um, right. They come on board about three months ago and said we want to do a charity ride for you. Um, they're a Maori group and they are the most amazing people that we've ever ever met. Um, and they did a huge ride for us the other day. They organised the ride side of things, and there were 123 bikes in the ride, which is absolutely phenomenal. It sounds. That, it doesn't sound that amazing until you're standing there. Yeah, I used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. But mm. to have that many bikes in one ride is absolutely phenomenal because they usually, if you call a bike ride, you usually end up with 50 or 60 bikes. Excellent. So, so, so this is really hitting a nerve. Like everything you're doing, you're hitting a nerve, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the, the time is ripe. So, so the ride raised some money. Yes, it did. We haven't actually heard back from the riders exactly how much we raised. The hope was that we would raise six thousand dollars between the ride and our post-ride gathering, and we're pretty sure we reached that. So, Mate, we're six really grand happy. sounds a hell of a lot better than nothing, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. In terms of funding, funding your own centre. Absolutely. We've also got a GoFundMe page which is attached to the um uh, the of Ice in Bunbury page, mm. um, and that's raised about $4,000 as well. So, and even just, we, we go around and talk to local businesses and let them know what we're doing, and we've had some fantastic donations from local businesses as well. So everything we get at this point goes straight into the kitty because we need $20,000 for our crisis care centre for one year. Yeah. 
Um, and so once we've got that 20, we can then rent that building for one year and we can actually start doing what we're doing, but doing it really well and for many, many more families. Okay, fantastic. So if people do want to donate, um, they go to your Facebook page, which is called Ice in Bunbury. A Mother's Nightmare. A Mother's yep. Nightmare or a Father's Nightmare, it sounds like. Um, so getting writers involved, um, how, how did that happen? Did they just ring you up? No, um, it actually came about because we were helping one of one of the writers um, has a well, a few of them do, but one in particular has a um, child who is on methamphetamines, and um, she came to one of our gatherings, and we started her on her journey to being well. Um, so he wanted to meet with us, and then once he talked to us, he was like, "We really need to do something to help you guys out," and that's how it all started. What I liked, I've, I've been on your. Facebook page, and what mm. I liked was that um, it wasn't just an, an intellectual um, love of what you're doing. The the writers did a, a really impressive haka too, oh. and you could see that there's a lot of passion. And Absolutely. Absolutely, they are they are completely behind what we're doing. Um, most of them are Bunbury born and Bunbury bred, and I guess. For most of us people that are Bunbury born and Bunbury bred, we remember Bunbury being a beautiful, beautiful place where you could go into town on any given night and there wouldn't be an issue. It's just a beautiful place to be, even being down the beach and being there at 10 o'clock at night, you felt completely safe. But it has been dubbed the meth capital of Australia now and things really, really do show when you go out at night. Okay, um, for the Victorians, what's it like now? For Victorians, what's it like now? For the Victorians listening. Yeah. Um, um, I guess Bunbury's become a very quiet little place now at night time. Nobody wants to go out. Um, there doesn't go a night, like a 24-hour period, without the police being involved in something to do with methamphetamines, whether it be um, a murder or an attack or... Um, another drug bust, so it's just a constant realm now of methamphetamine and methamphetamine use. Um, psychosis hits really, really hard. We've been involved in quite a few psychoses recently, um, and the police are having to be involved in that, and the community get to see that, and it's scary stuff. So, you know, all of that stuff, it, it's just a constant reminder that meth is here. Yeah. Um, so when, when an addict comes to you guys, what, what sort of stuff do you do? I mean, it's, it's a bit of a different addiction in some ways. Like um, one thing we try to do, we, we get a lot of people who are in recovery on our show and we try to sort of say the biggest drug in Australia is still alcohol. Um, mm. Meth hasn't taken over the world, but it, mm. it is a very serious problem. Um, and, and one thing we, we notice is that people don't tend to overdose on meth. They have other medical problems. That's um, right. And you can still die from the secondary problems. Mm, absolutely. absolutely. And that's what happened with my son because um, he got a pneumonia mm -hmm. in February and where a pneumonia you would normally just walk away from with a, a box of antibiotics, um, he ended up with septicemia, kidney failure, massive pneumonia and... Um, his body had started to shut down, so and that was a, that was because of the methamphetamine use. He had compromised his organs to that point. So, not yeah, we had a 22-year-old who had a stroke in the radio show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've got a, a young boy down here. I think he's just turned 20, and he's had two massive heart attacks. So, yeah, the, the, the drug itself you probably can't overdose on, but you certainly will 
compromise your organs to the point of not um, not being in that healthy state anymore. So my son still is having um, health issues now. His, hemoglo- his hemoglobin um, hasn't recovered, so he may have to have a blood transfusion. Um, he's ended up with gout because his kidneys can't process the uric acid that comes mm-hmm. through the kidneys. Um, he looks like he may have a thyroid disorder now as well. So all of those things have come as a direct thing from using the methamphetamines. Yeah, and, yeah. and we, we see a lot of that here too, a lot of these mm. sort of weird medical things, and they happen far too young. Oh, um, absolutely. So you get you get an addict in, and, and what, do you, what do you say to them? What do you... Yeah, so basically, same thing. Where do you feel comfortable meeting us? So it could be a coffee shop, could be a park, could be the beach. Um, and we sit down and we talk to them. And usually we'll ask them whether or not they want an ex-addict or just the mum. So Julie and I are the, the two crazy mums that go along anyway. But we have um, volunteer ex-addicts that will come with us as well. Um, and we just sit and talk to them. Do they mostly want thing. an ex-addict or do they want a mum? Usually they want a mum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just sit and talk to them, you know, let them know what we've been through and um, let them talk about how they're feeling. And I haven't met an addict yet that actually wants to be on meth. And I haven't met an addict yet that I didn't like. They are all beautiful people who got caught up in a drug that's absolutely destructive and they want to get off. Um, the journey's a long one. So with some of them, they decide, yeah, that's it, I'm done. And I've got a couple that have, that's it, I am done. Um, and then you have the ones that lapse and they lapse, you know, two or three times. But what we do is we send them a purple heart every morning um, just to let them know we're thinking of them. Like a text message or yep. on Facebook? Yeah, yep. absolutely, just a, just a text message every morning. And um, we set them up with icebreakers. So icebreakers is one of the things that they go to. We let them know that What's the other... What's icebreakers? Re- icebreakers is an external rehab. So it's a non-res rehab. Yeah. Um, and it's just classes. And then we hold them at the building down here called JSW. And it's on a Thursday afternoon and a Friday afternoon. And it's a basically a 12-week program that works on CBT and life skills. Good. Yeah. Yep. It so, can work for any addiction. Um, um, but we, we basically have tailored it for meth. So you, you set them up with, with icebreakers. Um, with the medical problems, are you are you taking them to appointments or helping them yep. or telling them who to go to or Absolutely. that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we are, we've been involved in the actual appointment itself. We've been involved in hospitalisation. Um, we'll go anywhere, anywhere that they need us to go. It makes no difference to us. If it's midnight, we'll get up out of bed and we'll go. It's just, for us, it's the passion of getting them well. And it is wonderful to see someone get well, isn't it? Oh, just the most amazing experience in my life. I'll never forget when my son was two months clean and I looked at him and I went, wow, you're this beautiful adult and you're funny. And the lights come on in their eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. It's gorgeous. Yeah, that still blows me away. So, Lena, I was just going to ask you a little bit about you because what you're doing is, is fairly extraordinary. Um, you grew up around addiction or you grew up in, in a sort of a non-addictive world? Absolutely non-addictive world. This is mm-hmm. absolutely foreign to me. Um, what I did grow up in is a world that cared. Um, my mum and dad are staunch Italians who... Um, dad came to Australia when he was 18 and mum grew up here. She was born in Italy but grew up here. 
and they're very family orientated and they absolutely have instilled in me love and care so I guess that's where this part of it comes from um, but there was absolutely no addiction I didn't even know about addiction until I started working in pharmacy and um, I guess that was a bit of an eye-opener when I was 15. So you still work in pharmacy? I absolutely do yeah my passion I love it. What do you love about it? I love the fact that you can help people. I love the fact that there are people out there that um, are unwell and they know how to get well. Um, I love the oldies. I just absolutely adore all the old people that come in and they haven't spoken to anyone for a week and the first person they see in the week is a pharmacy assistant and it's just a beautiful environment, pharmacy. This is this is interesting because I was like, why, why did she call the group Doors Wide Open? Why didn't she call it like family and friends of ice addicts or something. And uh, I'm starting to build up a picture of that, yeah. um, this this very loving, welcoming family. And it's like you've thrown your doors wide open. That is exactly, exactly what we did. Yep. Um, I threw my doors wide open for the world to see that inside of my family, I have an ice addict, but we're a normal family. We're not scum we're not the bottom of the earth we are just a middle class Aussie family who work hard and do the right things and pay our taxes and abide by the law and there's nothing untoward that goes on in my house we have a kid who made a wrong decision yeah I mean and even if you even if you didn't even if you weren't even if you were from from one of those um families you would yeah. still be entitled to human dignity and respect absolutely and 100% 100% doesn't matter where you're from and I think um, with that, with methamphetamines as you said before it there's no discrimination um, you can be from the highest most well-paid job in your town or from the dole and you, it it will still get you you just have to try it once and that's it you're done right yep. so can you tell us a little bit more about you and normally normally um, when I'm talking to people who aren't from Western Australia I get them in the Get them in the studio, but I, I just know so little about you. You know, yeah. what is it that you like? What what drive? Well, I think we're seeing what drives you. What, what do you do in your spare time? Um, Council people. If I have spare time, I love to spend time at the beach. Bunbury has the most beautiful beaches. It does. Yeah, um, I find the beach, the water at the ocean, the ocean itself to be really healing. Um, I'm a very nature orientated person. I love being outside. Um, I love people. I love getting to know people. I love helping people. I kind of just I want to bring you over here and introduce you to all the people who are struggling with, <laughs> with this addiction over here. Yeah. It's, um, that's really interesting. So doors wide open, you're, you're also wanting to set up a clinic and it, it'll have its doors wide open too, hey? Yes, yeah. So um, Doors Wide Open will basically be a crisis care centre. So what will happen out of Doors Wide Open will be... Um, I will run the crisis care side of things, so I'll be dealing with families who, like, like like what we're doing at the moment, you know, sit down, have a cup of coffee, have a chat about what's going on and be able to let them know what resources are available. We'll have an RN on site who will be able to then come up with a care plan for that family um, and then there will be follow-up. So we'll yeah, you're going to rent a building, up. you're going to get a registered nurse and you're going to have a couple of full-time employees on 20 grand a year? Uh, no, we've had, we've had help from. Um, we'll have once we're actually established, we'll be able to get help from local um, primary health. Oh good. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, once we're actually established, it will all fall into place. But we need the building before that will happen. The it's other thing that will happen. Completely redirected your life, hasn't it? 
Sorry? This this thing has completely redirected your life, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Wow. I keep telling my son it's all his fault. <laughs> he must love that. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> um, the other thing that will happen out of doors wide open is Julie Kent, my offsider, she um, runs a community kitchen down here where she feeds, she makes meals and feeds the elderly. So she's basically Meals on Wheels, um, but she does it in a private sense, so they pay for the meal. Um, so she'll run that out of the kitchen as well. So once we've identified that we've got somebody who's on their journey to being clean, they'll be able to come into the kitchen and help on a daily basis. Um, and they'll be able to get a Cert 2 and Cert 3 in hospitality, so they'll actually be able to do something in You're the You're going to become a registered training organisation as well? We sure are. Right. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of volunteers on board. One runs a gym. He has his own gym. He does Muay Thai. Right. Um, He's offered some time in the gym for our recoveries and we've got another guy who does a program called Wellness for Men and he's going to donate two to three days a week doing projects with the boys and girls like woodwork, metalwork, art, all of that sort of thing. Um, and we've been offered a couple of plots of land for growing veggies so we'll be able to do the whole veggie garden stuff as well. So it'll be a huge project. Um, but, yeah, until we're in the building, we can't actually structure any of it. And when are you likely to get in the building? We're hoping before Christmas, because Christmas being the silly season, we'd really like to have some structure around what we're doing before um, Christmas sets in. Yeah, we find that too um, mm. with, with our recovery groups over here. You get a lot of people coming in around New Year's going, what have I done? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so for the people listening who are in small country towns or otherwise in Victoria who are struggling mm. with uh, with ice addiction in their community. Have you got any advice? Um, my first piece of advice for any parent or loved one is get informed. Let yourself, fill yourself with information about what's around, what, what can I do when my loved one is ready to get help. Um, that's so important because it's that moment you only get such a short window and if you've got those details ready to go, you can start that journey there and then and there. It's not always the first time that's a success, but you're starting to plant those seeds that this is doable. Um, and once they know that, once they know that this is actually doable, they, they do start their journey quite quickly. What else have you learnt? Um, don't ever, ever get in their face when they're in a rage. Right. Don't ever get in their face when they're in a rage. Just walk away. Um, call the police, do whatever it is you have to do, but do not get in their face when they're in a rage because they actually, 99% of the time, don't know what they're doing. And then you're both going to regret it the next morning. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I guess one of the big things for us is find some support, whether it be in another parent. Don't hide behind the behind the curtains of your house. Go out and tell someone, my, kids, my kid is on methamphetamines because you're going to find there's only about two to three um, degrees of separation in this. Someone you're going to talk to is also going to have a child on methamphetamines and they're hiding as well. So you two can band together and actually make a difference. And this is, I mean, to me, this is the absolutely key thing with what you're doing, which is that um, the first thing you did was stick your hand up and wave the flag and mm. say, my kid's on meth. Yep. And you didn't particularly say, I'm going to start an enormous community organisation with affiliates all across the community mm. to, to help. 
You just went help. I'm I'm not I'm I'm struggling here. And, I'm not coping. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not coping. And at the point at that point when I started up the page, I was actually really really angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry because we couldn't get an appointment tomorrow with anyone. Um, and I guess that was the reason I started it. I started it because I was angry. Um, and I wanted to see what sort of feedback I was going to get. And I honestly did not expect what I got. I was actually thinking I was just going to end up with a pile of people saying your son's nothing but a junkie. Um, but that's never, ever happened. It's always been just parents and, and addicts going, hey, you know what, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean the other thing is we we often have a double standard when it comes to people who are addicted, you know, and we can we can look at somebody on the street and say you're just a junkie, and then we go and listen to the most sublime music recorded also by somebody on the same Absolutely. track, you mm-hmm. know, and and we're very judgmental. So I was just going to ask you just before we we wrap up for the day, what what's addiction to you? Like what it's it's something that I think we've been batting back and forwards for years, um, and had many answers. And a lot of them are very useful. But what's addiction as far as you're concerned? Um, it's a very, very comfortable blanket. I've never heard that before. Okay. okay. To me, um, addiction to any any um, substance is it's covering something. You're, you're not dealing with something and you're using something to make you feel better or to block it. And so to me, I look at, it, at addiction as a very, very comfortable blanket. You're hiding under it. You're running away from whatever it is that is actually causing the problem, and it makes you feel better. Yep, absolutely true for me. Um, so w- the process of removing that blanket, um, what what for you is getting well? What's that process? Um, removing that blanket very very slowly. You can't rip the blanket off the person, and you certainly can't make the person take the blanket off. You just need to work with that person, climb under that blanket with them find out what makes them comfortable, find out how they want to get well because usually they do want to get well. Nobody wants to be in addiction um, and just work with the person. So if you have to stay under that blanket for the next five days, you stay under that blanket for the next five days. Mm. But you let them know you're there and you don't leave. You don't leave. You don't let them leave you. You just stay with them and go, we're going to do this together. Wow. And, I mean, I, certainly people people talk a lot um, I haven't taken crystal meth myself. I'm a recovering alcoholic, but um, mm. people talk a lot on our show about uh, um, about having a number of days where where they're up all night, not sleeping for weeks mm. at a time. Mm. How do you do with that? Um, leave them be. In all honesty, when they're in that when when they're in that particular place, you're not going to get them. You're not going to reach them when you when they're in that place. That's not the place to be trying to save them. Wait till they've had some sleep, give them a good feed. That's the place to get them. But when they're in that place where they're using, they're up, they're not eating, they're usually not having enough fluid, their brain isn't functioning properly, their organs aren't functioning properly, that's not the time to try and approach the problem. Unless, of course... Unless, of course, they're actually unwell, then you need to get them to a hospital or a doctor. But if they're just on a bender, you just have to let them let, let them be. Okay. If you were in charge of Australia, mm. what would your strategy be? Would you try to spawn a whole lot of other community groups like yourself? Would, or, or do you think there's sort of an overarching government policy that needs to change to address um, this problem? Because it's Australia-wide. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a, anything the government can or will do at this point that's going to change anything. I think it's the community that has to work with the community. 
that's my answer to it. I don't, I don't think that um, anything's going to happen until the community starts changing its judgment on addiction. Um, and we all start to work together as parents and as um, loved ones to get our kids and our loved ones well. Fantastic. Um, I, I guess the the other the, the sort of last question I had was uh, was I asked you sort of what you would do when when an addict walks through the door. Um, my other question is, what do you do when a parent walks through the door? Give them a hug. That's always the first thing we do. We just give them a hug. And sometimes that hug can last for two or three minutes and they just hold you because they know that you've been where they are and um, it's sometimes the first hug they've had from anybody who knows what they're going through because they haven't told anybody else. And then we just talk, hun, that's all we do. We just talk. We let them get it all off their chest. It sounds like you don't particularly tell people what to do and what to think. No. Too. Like I said, we're not clinical. We don't have any clinical background whatsoever. Um, we're just two mums who have been there, done that, and we understand and we cannot judge you because we've been there. So, And that's what I think makes people feel comfortable and safe. We're not going to judge because we've been there. We, we're certainly not going to say, oh, your kid's a junkie because, you know what, my kid must be a junkie too. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that we have a couple of um, of parents of methamphetamine addicts listening. Is there anything you would like to say to them? Um, just, I guess, my biggest piece of advice is never, ever, ever give up hope. And I know that's hard. I've been there. But never give up hope because your child probably does not want to be doing this. They probably want to be well. They just need to find that point where they go, I'm done with this. And nine times out of ten, they do. Um, the myth that methamphetamine addiction is, um, you cannot get over methamphetamine addiction, that, that is a myth. You can, I've seen it happen, I'm watching it happen in front of my eyes in my own house. It is doable, it's a tough journey and it takes years, but it is doable. So never give up hope that your child will be well again. Yeah, look, that's certainly true. And, and there's been so many illnesses over the centuries which we've thought were incurable until we found a cure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Lena, I'd just like to thank you very much for coming on our show today. That is my absolute pleasure. And um, <clears throat> you're kind of making me cry a little bit, but uh, but strength to your arm, you know. Well done, you. I'd just like to say I absolutely take my hat off to you, and thanks for thanks for coming on our show today, um, all the way from Western Australia. Thank you. It's this been my pleasure. Lena from Doors Wide Open. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.